More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Final hour of the week. 14 hours up. 15th hour rolling through right now. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We know that the weather is crazy. Snow in places where there usually is not snow, particularly all over the West Coast, even in Southern California. So uh, maybe you're having a non-traditional day, non-traditional way of listening to us today. We appreciate all of you. And we love everybody out there who is listening right now on the podcast. Encourage you, as always, go subscribe. You won't miss a moment of the show's action. And there are lots of podcast unique opportunities that you can do dive into as well. So make that happen. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, everywhere where you can find a podcast, uh, you can download and subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. So we uh, hope all of you do that. Now, it's the one-year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin uh, and Russia. And we played earlier, Secretary Austin said, this most likely will end with some sort of negotiation. That's what he said on CNN earlier this morning. And what Buck and I have been asking is, how does this end? And how much money is the United States now committed to? Interestingly, Zelensky was just asked that question earlier today. What about people out there in the United States who do not think it makes sense to spend $100 billion on Ukraine? What would you tell those Americans? Zelensky had an answer. Listen to this. We keep hearing those messages from time to time, and they're dangerous. The U.S. is never going to give up on the NATO member states. If it happens so that Ukraine, uh, due to various opinions and weakening, depleting of assistance, uh, loses, Russia is going to enter 
Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war, and they will have to fight because it's uh, NATO that we're talking about, and they will be dying. I mean, that's pretty aggressive. Again, that's the translation of Zelensky. Buck, it's dangerous, and if they lose in Ukraine, Russia will enter NATO, and American sons and daughters will have to fight, and they will have to die. I don't buy it, it, but that's a big, strong argument that Zelensky is trotting out there. In what military universe would a Russia that has already lost 100,000 men spend in russia doesn't have just the same way we actually don't have endless war fighting materiel to give uh and we're finding that out artillery shells rockets missiles all all of this uh russia doesn't have an endless supply either and the notion that that russia would then just march on in and pick a fight with nato i mean russia's seen what we're willing to do up to this point to help ukraine which is not a nato country So why would Putin's next calculation be, well, let's just really poke the bear and let's go all the way. Let's see if we can get away with an invasion of a country that the U.S. is is uh, treaty bound to uh, to defend or bound under under NATO Article five to defend. So I I don't buy this. And I, I also think that the the moral blackmail that is being used here. I think it's uh, it signals something very something very amiss. Keep backing us because if if our war in Ukraine doesn't go our way, you're going to have to send your sons and daughters Americans to go fight in Europe. The way we're supposed to stop that from happening is by being the bank for the Ukrainian military and and also the arms supplier and the training and intelligence and logistics arm of the ukrainian military at some level that's so so we avoid conflict by getting much more involved in the conflict in ukraine it feels to me like we 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 went through 20 years of war in the middle east and the aims were not achieved we all need to be very honest about this i mean you know you could argue well iraq kind of saddam's gone you know all right uh but there wasn't some flowering of democracy that uh, that came across the entire middle east uh, which which was part of the incentive for uh, ousting Saddam Hussein. Afghanistan, the Taliban's in charge, okay? So we all know how that one ended up. And I, I feel like some of the lessons have been forgotten right away and that some of the people who are in charge, you know, look, let's just really put it out there. Does anyone listening to this right now in Texas or Ohio or California or wherever think that the future of the Donbass region is going to matter in your day-to-day life? I think the answer is no. I mean, you know, in terms of which country controls it, I I don't think it does matter to your day-to-day life. But if we keep getting deeper and deeper into a conflict with not just Russia, but now Russia backed by China, that to me feels, Clay, like it could go to a place that really matters to people in this country. I I don't doubt that at all. And I don't blame Zelensky for making the argument that he's making because – if I were the ruler or the leader of Ukraine, that's probably the argument I would make, too, because it helps to solidify for certain people out there who buy into it that Ukraine is the first step and then there would be many other countries after that. But, Buck, Russia is having to free prisoners from prison 
to fight right now because they don't have a supply of men to be able to send to the front lines. These are very unskilled, not particularly well-trained prisoners that are now on the front line. In what world, when they can't take Ukraine, first of all, just basic logistics, how many hundreds of thousands of troops at this point would they have to leave behind in Ukraine to ensure that they were able to rule Ukraine? A lot. And then suddenly they're going to bring all of those forces across Ukraine and go into other countries. I I understand the argument because they want to try to make Putin into Hitler, but I just don't buy into the idea that Russia has the ability. And you mentioned something else historically as we were going to break. What's the uh, about why Russia is going to maintain commitment, which I think is important here to Ukraine? What is one of the most proud moments of Russian history if you talk to a Russian? The tens of millions of people that they were willing to lose in World War II fighting against Hitler. Hitler was stunned at the amount of people that were that Russia was willing to have die in order to keep Russia Look, from being th- conquered. Th- this isn't a popular a popular discussion point here in this country, but it was the Soviet war machine that largely defeated the Nazi war machine. That is just by the numbers reality. Look at the number of divisions on the Eastern Front. Look at what we face on the Western Front. I'm not saying we didn't do a lot of fighting on the Western Front, too. I'm just saying without the Soviets, without Stalingrad and the, and the loss of a million-man German army, I mean, without the things that you saw happening there, it, we would have been in a very different position. So what Putin is playing to in Russia is that legacy of Russian um uh, unwillingness to lose and we have to think about the psyche of what happened in the cold war when their country collapsed they lost their russian empire putin is trying to reclaim that legacy that is a big part of what he is selling to the russians so the idea and this is uh, maybe i'm going to end up being wrong on this but psychologically the idea that he is suddenly going to say you know what we've lost too much men and material Ukraine's not worth it. Let's go ahead and pull everybody back into Russia, and we'll just admit that we can't take over Ukraine. I don't think he—I mean, I think that this will be a multi-year, best-case scenario. I think this will be a multi-year trench warfare uh, ongoing battle for the next several years, best-case scenario, because I don't see how Ukraine forces Russia out. We're going to end up spending a trillion dollars in Ukraine, We could. This is what's going to happen, okay? You're hearing it from me. You're going to end up spending the taxpayers are going to be on the hook for a trillion dollars here when the, when all said and done here. That's my that's my which guess. is what happened in Iraq. That's not a crazy perspective. Yeah, this, spent, this is what I mean. Yeah, a trillion I dollars there. Plus, I was I was uh, I was an analyst in the CIA's Iraq office, folks. Like I, I know how these things go. Okay, you're going to end up spending. Okay, maybe it'll be it'll end up being six hundred billion or seven hundred billion or something, but that's taxpayer money. I yep. mean, this is you know your time. You're going to work and you're paying your taxes every year, and you're hoping your Social Security is going to be there, and you're hoping your kids are going to have a better future, and you got $31 trillion in debt right now, and you're going to spend another, you know, I'd say a half trillion to a trillion dollars easily on this fight in Ukraine. And that's assuming that we can actually win it and defeat Russia, right? Let's just say that maybe that's what it really takes. Um, I just think everyone needs to be understanding of of what the costs here really are. And I think that anytime. How do I know that climate, I know this is going to sound like a digression, but it's not. How do you know the climate change people are full of it? Because their arguments are trash and they lie to you, right? They say things that are just not true. 
They'll 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 tell you, oh, our people didn't say this ten years ago. Oh, that's not you know, Al Gore is not a joke. He's brilliant and he's trying to save the world. They're making arguments that are garbage. If they want to make the argument about Ukraine that Ukraine is so important to U.S. national security interests that we have to stop Russia for the following reasons in Ukraine, fine. But when they say, if we don't stop them in Ukraine, they're going to go to the Baltics, and they're going to go to Poland, and they're going to invade Germany. And they're... There's absolutely no chance of that happening, okay? That is fantasy land stuff. By the numbers, by met... in counting fuel bullets and men, and, you know, dollars or rubles in their case, that cannot happen. That will not happen. So why are they making that argument right now? You know, and remind you know reminds me there were arguments to to topple Saddam by the way that weren't WMD. Why they go with the WMD argument, Clay? Because they could sell it. Because it had emotional impact. And so when Zelensky is saying we have to win in Ukraine, or else you, the American people, your children will be fighting in Europe. That, I, I don't I don't believe that argument. So whenever someone's making an argument that I don't believe, I have a problem with that. And it's an emotional argument that a lot of people are willing to buy into because they don't really think through it. And that's why history is important because history a lot of times rhymes. There are very rarely direct analogs. And that's why the idea of saying Vladimir Putin is Hitler, it has political resonance here. But if you look at the external situations and compare them, there is not very much a chance, in my opinion, I think also in yours, Buck, clearly, that we're going to see an appeasement somehow lead to a conquering of Europe and a replay of World War II. I think the way we end up in a world war is if China and Iran continue to move closer to Russia because they see this war in Ukraine as a proxy under which they can attack attack American hegemony, then we end up with two different big colossal global powers on each side staring each other down, and which it, is where we're getting close to. And, and let's let's be honest. We go in, we go into let's say I, I feel like something bad economically is coming for us. I just this is it feels to me like the quiet before the storm. I I could be wrong. I'm not an economic forecaster, but everyone that I talk to, you know, the the news on TV from the Biden mouthpieces, of course, is oh things are great. The recovery's happening and all that stuff. Meanwhile, every business I know is saying, I'm worried, my sales are down, people aren't spending, people are, you know, the, the, there's real concern out there in the day-to-day marketplace. What kind of position are we in, to your point about Russia and China, to thwart a Chinese invasion of Taiwan if this war drags on another year or two, or another couple of hundred billion dollars in the hole in terms of support for Ukraine? We've been sending them, you know, uh, God knows how many thousands of rockets and missiles and artillery and we have to make those there's actually a logistics and supply chain for those and to get them to ukraine does anyone think we're going to be in a position to tell china back off i mean i i think they keep saying this is making us stronger and it's it's u.s strength being showed in ukraine i say really fighting a war makes your war fighting capability in this context uh it puts you in a better position not really fighting the war but you know funding the war that puts you in a better position i don't know and the question i've been asking ever since this started is how much is China using Ukraine to bleed the American military of supplies to potentially be able to and, then go into Taiwan? Right? I, I, can I just also, maybe this is just a gut a gut feeling thing, Clay. We just had the Biden debacle withdrawal from Afghanistan. Although, look, ending Afghanistan ended up being, you know, this is part of it, folks. This is why I keep saying Biden's going to be formidable in 2024. People get mad at me, but then they agree with me because they think about it, right? I know it's annoying to hear. 
But he got us out of Afghanistan. That's going to be the talking point. People are going to forget about the tarmac and everybody running and everything. They realize it's over. But could we just have like five or ten years without the U.S. in a war? You yeah. Know? Could we just could we just go ten years? That would be great. Would be. Be great for our bank accounts, too, because all our taxpayer dollars, like you said, trillions of dollars already in Iraq, potentially moving towards hundreds of billions in the very near future in Ukraine. How does it end? I think that's a question that no one can seem to answer as we sit here one year after the invasion. Woke activists have seized control of America's schools, and now a group of investment firms that Americans entrust with our pensions and retirements, they're playing woke politics with your money without our knowledge or consent. A few large investment firms, names you know, that control trillions of dollars of your money are using those dollars to advance their woke ideology through a progressive social scoring program called ESG. They claim it promotes corporate responsibility. What they're really doing is using Americans' hard-earned money to finance their political agenda, forcing businesses to comply or else. Uh, Some state leaders fighting back, more joining, letting those investment firms know they can't play politics with our pensions. They can either do their jobs, maximize returns for shareholders, or get lost. To learn more, go to consumersresearch.org. They've been defending consumers against fraud and abuse for decades and still are. Go to consumersresearch.org to learn more about their mission to protect consumers from woke investment firms. That's consumersresearch.org. We've got a bunch of mailbag mail coming into us from all of you. If you want to send us mail from the or in the VIP box, all you got to do is go become a VIP subscriber at clayandbuck.com. Bunch of you weighing in on Ukraine. We have Francine. Hey, Francine. Hi, you guys. I listen every day. Well, Francine, you have excellent taste in radio. Impeccable. Clearly. The longer we give money to Ukraine, the longer Biden can launder money for himself. That is why he said he will keep giving money forever. Biden is going to take as much money as he can, especially if he decides not to run again. This is the biggest money laundering scam in history. Many Democrats are profiting, too. This is exactly how Obama got so rich. He got money from what he gave to Iran. Hmm, interesting. Um, look, I- I'm I'm going to say this about the Ukraine situation. We hear a lot about the corruption. I do want, and obviously Hunter Biden was getting payoffs so that his dad would be influencing policy in that country. It is remarkable, Clay, how this is now the biggest foreign policy challenge in the world, and the Bidens did get money from this part of the world. Well, I mean, Trump was right about uh, wanting there to be an investigation into what was going on in Ukraine. I mean, it was just, I mean, and he got impeached for it. And now Joe Biden's in office, and Hunter Biden, I, I think... They're just trying to run out the clock on statute of limitations and other things with Hunter Biden. I don't know what the heck's going on there now. And these are all questions that Trump was raising that our media should have been asking. And now we're in the middle of a war. And look, we talked to Trump right before Putin basically invaded Ukraine down in uh, or right as he was starting to invade down in uh, Mar-a-Lago last year. And Trump said something that I think we forget about a lot. Vladimir Putin would have never done this if Donald Trump were still in office. I think almost everybody out there with a functional brain acknowledges that. So remember all the threats they gave us about Trump was going to start World War III and how much more dangerous it was going to be? It's actually ended up Biden being far more dangerous than Trump. I've got a note to the fellow gun owners out there in this audience The Mantis X system is going to make you better at the range, my friends. You're going to enjoy shooting that much more. Mantis X is a firearms training system. 
That is no ammo. It's all electronic, and it really helps you improve your shooting accuracy. It has for me. Mantis X attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. It gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. Nearly everyone who uses this training technique improves their skills within 20 minutes. I have a Mantis X at home. I love it. And once you get this thing set up, it's pretty addictive. And you're just going to have better trigger pull, better uh, sense of how to get those rounds downrange right on target, right where you want them. Start improving your shooting accuracy today from the comfort of your home, on your couch, sitting on the end of your bed, your uh, your chair, wherever. Mantis X. Go to MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-M-A-N-T-I-S-X, MantisX.com. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Uh, Alex Murdoch back on the witness stand. Uh, for those of you out there that have been following this case, being cross-examined, both CNN and Fox News, simultaneously covering this trial relatively rare buck for both cnn and fox news to have the exact same story on at the exact same time and both of them for the past what two or three days have gone all in on this um and so uh that is going on i'm sure many of you have been paying attention to it as well uh want to get to some of your calls so many of you out there reacting it is friday um, and we have been talking about a variety of different uh, news topics. I do want to say, as we were in commercial break, the Wall Street Journal sent out a news alert that directly uh, is involved in what we were just discussing. Uh, the U.S. believes China uh, is really seriously considering sending artillery and drones to Russia to aid in their, uh, in their fight in Ukraine. So, so can I just add this into the mix? What is the hope of the people who are saying we need to put another $100 billion on the table for Ukraine and we need to provide them with everything, everything that we can? You're really not going to exhaust Russian, uh, Russian manpower. I mean, that's going to take you a very long time because the Russian tolerance, just culturally, historically, the Russian tolerance for military casualties has been jaw-dropping, and that has been the case stretching back for centuries, okay? So it is unlikely that you're going to have the Russians say, all right, we've just lost too many people. So the way that you could win, the way that Zelensky could win, would be the Russians don't have uh, the materiel to really continue the fight in a meaningful way. They'll get Their positions will be overrun because they can't keep up with long-range artillery. they uh, Maybe the Ukrainian you know, air force gets better. The Russians can't put enough good planes. Russian you know, air superiority hasn't seemed to have been uh, the game-changer that some military analysts thought it would be at the beginning. point I'm making here, Clay, is if the Chinese are now backfilling Russian military supplies, guess what? My whole, I think this might cost us a trillion dollars thing, is looking a whole lot more likely. Because now... You've just created a massive, I mean, if, if you want a place to be making your AK-47 rounds and your artillery shells in bulk, China's a pretty good place to start next door. No doubt. And it becomes a proxy war between the United States and China being fought by Ukraine and Russia, which bleeds us down. And maybe they think makes it more likely that they're going to be able to potentially invade Taiwan. Johnny, the truck driver in Jamaica, Queens, New York. What you got for us, Johnny? Hey, Buck. Hey, Clay. Listen, 
My youngest son is active duty military. He's a E6 staff sergeant. His MOS is a 13 Juliet. In 2017, he was in the Middle East and helped stomp the snot out of ISIS. His unit just returned from, quote, unquote, Germany. But his duties there, he can't exactly tell me what he was doing. But from the news, I've learned that his he's part of the IRF. He's connected to the Special Forces and the 82nd Airborne out of Fort Bragg. So they were training up the Ukrainians on the HIMARS. Now we're going to be sending main battle tanks to the Ukraine. But by the time they get them and get trained on them, they're not going to be ready for no spring offensive. It's my opinion that they should send the Ukrainian troops to Fort Knox to the tank school and have them learn the weapon systems here and be quickly adapted to the programs that we have in place rather than wasting time sending the tanks to the Ukraine and then them trying to figure out the weapon system. Also, I need to make two corrections on some of the historical facts that the two of you have put out. Um, there were no kamikazes at Pearl Harbor. The divine wind tactics didn't start until the Battle of Leyte, and the Marines weren't sent up to Attu in the Aleutians. It was the 7th Infantry Division. I appreciate okay. that. I don't think that was us. I, 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 yeah, I, I said nothing about kamikazes or Pearl Harbor in recent memory on the show, so I don't know what... I don't know where that came I from. I got um, nervous though, and when he, he might he was, try to history. He's right nervous. about army. He's right about the army uh, and and Atu Atoll. But that's, that's uh, a I few was weeks like, ago. oh no, what did we get wrong? History nerds, there wasn't us who were having those conversations. So uh, I don't I don't remember us talking about Pearl Harbor ever on the show. Really, uh, to my I, 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 do, I have no years. I have no recollection of 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 that at all. But anyway, sure. Uh, but other than that, interesting. Chris, who says he's in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Chris, what you got for us? Hey, yeah. So y'all keep highlighting, and it is so true, but Russia and China, China obviously the communists uh, tied to them being together. And you're right about exhausting Russia. But that's the thing about China, right? So Korea, Vietnam, what did China do? They just sent people constant flow of people and right there's no weapon that can't stop masses and masses and masses of people if you just keep sending waves and waves which china did so you're right so if russia and china are together when russia runs low what better place than to have an untapped source of manpower to just keep flowing thank you for the call i mean the question buck we've been talking about is what happens if china invades uh taiwan while we are also occupied giving $100 billion a year in resources to Ukraine, how do we have the ability to be on both foots in two-fronted wars effectively? I don't think anybody's asking that question, but to me that's a reason why China would come in on the side of Russia because the longer they can prolong American involvement in Ukraine, the less we're able to focus on what's going on in Taiwan. I think when you hear um, Mitch McConnell and some other Republican leaders and, and the Biden administration and Joe Biden himself saying that our policy is whatever it takes, understand that to defeat Russia and Ukraine in this proxy fight and have the, Rus- the Ukrainian, that is going to have to be the approach because it's not ending this year. It's probably not ending next year. No one really knows, but this is going to get a lot bloodier, a lot more expensive and I don't think anybody believes that we are near a breakthrough where the Russians are going to capitulate based upon uh, the battlefield. 
And I also think it's fascinating, you know, what about having uh, Russian and, and U.S. leaders sit down in a safe third country to discuss what would be an end to this? You know, I always thought Democrats love diplomacy, right? They love to talk about how, oh, we need to talk and sit around and figure something out. All of a sudden, it's, no, we have to bloody the Russians to the point where they're humiliated, retreat, and every... Remember, it would have to be, I would assume, that even the territory seized by the Russians in Ukraine in, in 20... Uh, or, or eight years ago, um, so what is it, 2013, 2014? And, and I assume we'd have to... That Crimea, I mean, if you're the Ukrainians and you've taken all of eastern Ukraine back, you're going to take Crimea too, right? So how long are we in for on this one? Years. I, I think years is the answer. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see any way that the, other than other than somehow Vladimir Putin being overthrown, I don't see any way that this does not take years. Because I, as long as he's in mm. control, I think he's going to continue the war. So I just think every, anyone who, who thinks that this is the right policy. And look, I understand it's very complicated. It's This is no... There are no easy answers here that is so often the case on matters of war and peace. I'm not pretending like this is something that is is cut and dry and everybody should be able to see exactly what is right here. But for those who are who are deeply supportive of the current consensus foreign policy of the establishment, uh, it would be um, you're looking at a trillion dollars probably. So just understand if you're good with that, if you like the idea of we're going to spend a trillion dollars to make sure that. All of Ukraine is in Ukrainian hands. That's that's what you can sign up for. But if you think that, oh, we spent 100 billion, you know, it's going to take 10 or 20 more billion in three or four more months. That's not happening. So this is where we are. My pillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original my pillow all the rage. But now it includes exclusive fabric made with temperature regulating thread. In fact, the MyPillow 2.0 comes with a great deal right now. You can buy one, get one free for a limited time with our names as the promo code Clay and Buck. MyPillow 2.0, 100% made in the USA, comes with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. If you love the first MyPillow, you're going to love the upgrade. We got them all throughout the Travis household. You will love them. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square, to get this buy one, get one free offer on the MyPillow 2.0, you can enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. We are closing up shop here on Clay and Buck for the weekend, and I'm just going to tell you, if you missed any of the show or if you want to hear some of our deep dive podcast offerings, long-form interviews, sit-downs with people of note, I just spoke to my buddy John Cardillo, former NYPD. We talked crime. We talked Trump v. DeSantis. A lot of interesting stuff. Subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast, the iHeart app. A great way to do that. But wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, you can check it out there. Great weekend content for all of you all across the land. Speaking of content, a couple things have come down. First of all, Succession is coming out soon, and it will be in its final season. I'm stunned by that. Which which I, I think it's run its... I, I like it a lot. I've enjoyed it. I think it has run its course. So I'll just put that out there. I think we've we've kind of had enough versions of like, who's going to be in charge of this company? And, you know. But anyway, f- fourth and final season. Carrie made me finally catch up to Yellowstone Season 5. So we are going to start watching Yellowstone Season 5 soon. 
We have also been watching 1923, uh, which with Harrison Ford. Yeah, I haven't and Helen seen that Mirren, one yet. Pretty good, pretty good. Um, violent, but uh, but pretty good. Um, and you, Clay, were at a superhero movie. <laughs> Ant, is this now, uh, I've never seen Ant-Man. Is Paul Rudd Ant-Man, right? That's, that's right. That's right. So he got to be a super, wow, the guy from Clueless, the stepbrother from Clueless is now a superhero. Isn't it amazing how the world changes? Um, did you like the Ant-Man movie? You tell me it was a little bit hard to follow. Yeah, so Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. Evangeline Lilly, for those of you out there who watched Lost hey. back in the day, which was a really fun show, uh, is The Wasp. I watch it, so my, my eight-year-old in particular, my second grader, is as many second graders, I would say, especially uh, uh, these days, are, but even back when I was a kid, too, obsessed with superheroes, right? So he watches every one of these superhero movies, and he also watches, along with my wife, Laura, they watch a lot of the different paraphernalia, you know, like uh, the shows that surround them, that that air so he's kind of an expert on superheroes. I'm going to be honest with you. About halfway through this Ant-Man and the Wasp movie, I'm sitting next to my eight-year-old, and I have to lean over to him and start asking him all sorts of questions so that I can keep up with what's going on in the movie. And it's a new low, I think, in, uh, in my ability to comprehend narratives that I can't even keep up now with superhero movies. So I have to ask my kid, like, now, who is this guy? Why does he matter? And... I, there's got to be other parents out there with me that are in this camp now where you just can't even keep up because they've created such a universe of all the different superheroes that I, you know, my head's just spinning. I, I have no idea what's going on now. So speaking of parents, Clay. Yeah, I saw you know, this while too. I was While I was on my honeymoon, there, the place I went was in Bora Bora, and it's, it's a romantic place. It's supposed to be quiet and beautiful. Pretty much everybody there was either, you know, older couples who were looking to get away, you know, people who had been married maybe 20, 30 years, and honeymooners. But there were one or two couples that decided to bring not their 8-year-olds, not their 12-year-olds, infants, basically, children two and below. And it's not a big place. It's not a big place. The beach area is small. There's like a, there's nowhere to go either. You can't escape. And there's one family in particular that brought two Children, maybe they were two years old and like, you know, eight months old. They would set up two, not one, two iPads at the table when everybody would be eating. Because, again, it's a resort. You have no, there's no restaurants. There's no town. You can't escape, right? This is where you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. In the middle it's of like White Pacific. Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. You're, they would set up two iPads at the table. No headphones because, you know, the kids are too young, I guess, to actually be expected to use headphones. So they're just blasting like SpongeBob or whatever. I mean, this is a very nice resort. People have paid a lot of money to be here, and I think it's outrageous. I'm going to tell you, if your kids are well-behaved, great. I'm not talking to anybody whose kids are well-behaved. But if, you're too, if your two-year-old is screaming and throwing his spaghetti across the room when people are paying a lot of money to be on a vacation, be on a getaway, you're the problem. I don't know what else to say. You, ha- you are responsible. The same way that, you know, it, it drives me insane. I'll just say that we got this story sent to us, um, and no one in this audience would ever be the problem because they all have incredibly well-behaved children, and they understand that they have to be respectful and considerate of their fellow human beings around them. But this restaurant in New Jersey, Nettie's House of Spaghetti, that uh, banned all children under 10, I, I mean, I, 
I respect the game. I respect it. This is, seems like, first of all, as soon as you have kids, so many of your opinions on kids are going to pivot. Uh, nah, everyone says this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as you are responsible for uh, for a, a, a child, you're going to be like, I, the, the rules can change. But I will say this the restaurant banning kids under 10, that's a real mess, right? So do they ID? Like, how do you know whether a kid is like 11 or 10? So here's the thing. The problem comes in when parents essentially will tell you, it's not my fault. The child can't be reasoned with because they're too young. If that's the case, they should not be in a place where they can ruin the dining experience for everybody else. That's on the parents bringing them. Yeah, If they're old enough to listen to reason, then they should be able to be there because you could say, hey, little Timmy or little Sarah or whatever, be quiet. People are trying to have a nice dinner and the child can process that information. You as a parent, I will say, can think that your kid is perfect and they can flip from angel to devil instantaneously based on almost nothing that you do yourself as a parent. Um, and uh, this reminds me, by the way, this 10-year-old age thing. You know, I was down at Universal Studios last year. I don't know if I mentioned this. Uh, and my youngest kid, really, Buck, wanted to ride the Hagrid uh, ride. Same little kid that's giving me all the tips on the Marvel movies. And they have the, you know, the height restriction. And literally, he's at it. Like, I mean, we're talking about millimeters of difference. And uh, he was really upset because he got turned away the year before. I'm not sure if this is a brilliant parenting move or, uh, or, or everybody's going to be like, this is a disaster idea. I rolled up his socks in his tennis shoes, put them underneath his heel so that he could get that extra millimeter of height to be able to ride the Hagrid ride. so I like that. I thought you, you were going to see you rolled up a $100 bill and gave no, it to well, the clerk in charge. Yeah, put the, wallet in the, put the wallet in the shoe, but I felt like that was a parenting hack. Just roll up the tennis you, you know, the, the socks that he was wearing, put them under his heel, boom, he got to ride the ride that he was going to ride. So the 10-year-old being banned, I think there's probably a lot of people who are getting told that they're different age than they actually are. I think enter. it's just about the behavior, and if you behave well, change. that's fine. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels 
challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.